2: E ra ora nā tira mahina no koe te katoa, nā mai kite nei ho taka e fera fera nā e nga kaupapa e pāna. COVID 19. ora everybody, welcome back to another daily edition of the final Guide for COVID-19. I'm Te He might be lovely to have you along for another Facebook Live Q&A sessions with experts within their respective fields and the main point of this is that we've all come together, ourselves, Counties Monaco Health, Auckland District Health Board, Northern District Health Board and Waitemata District Health Board, coming together to give you the advice, support and help. Uh, For you, Yofano, and also your community to get through COVID 19. Um, Every show we have. Uh, a panel of, of different people, surrounded within different areas, and of course, health is a primary focus of this. So this will be uh, what we'll mainly be discussing on today's Facebook Live show. If you have any questions, please put them down, and we'll ask them uh, a question if the time permits us. But also, we also explore other areas, and that's around mental health, that's around well-being, that's around employment, finances, all those things, because they'll all be affected by COVID-19. And it's our job to work together to help us get through it. it's a really important um, show that we have today because we're talking with practitioners within three very important levels, uh, whether that be on a national basis, regional and also on a community basis Uh Dr. Peter Watson, Chief Medical Officer for counties Monaco Health. Dr. Watson, te nakwe roromai kite na kopapanga mihi.
3: Kia ora. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't hear uh, anything there. No, I'm not sure about the connection. So um, perhaps you need to go somewhere else.
2: See. No, i get the pipe. I'll bring you in for some questions But just thank you so much for taking the time out to come onto the show. Uh, second of all, Head of Equity and Māori Health Outcomes for ProCare, Lance Norman. Lance, te nakwe, no mai hide. mai. CEO of Marae, Tony Kake, mai mai ki, <laughs> Tony,
1: um,
2: before we get into the questions, I will uh, just give a little bit of context to uh, these, uh, our three guests and also their position. So first of all, um, the way public health works in Aotearoa is that the government uses primary health organizations or PHOs to ensure everyone is able to access GPs and health services. There are 32 PHOs across the country and ProCare is the largest PHO. Now, Papakura Marae, uh, they're enrolled uh, with the PHO as they provide healthcare services uh, in the South Auckland community and they run successful medical center as well as offering a wide range of community services. And the county's Manuruku uh, DHB, and that's who Dr. Peter Watson is the chief medical officer for. Well, they're responsible for 569,000 residents and they employ 10,500 staff. 11% of the country's Maori population are based in the county's Manuko Health District. So sure. to give some context about how th- all three of our guests today, our Manufiri, are so heavily involved uh, in the response to COVID nineteen, so we'll get into the questions now. Uh, Peter, I'll just double check to see: can you hear me? Fine. Might be just having a couple of little issues with uh, Dr. Peter Watson's um, microphone, uh, but we'll go straight into the questions. Then I'll come. To, we'll come back to you in just a minute. But uh, Lance, first of all, that explanation I gave of PHOs and also ProKid, did I get that right? First of all.
0: Yeah. So just to um, expand on what you said, so Fano um, register with a general practice, um, and that becomes their, their their health clinic that they go to for their health needs, and then a general practice affiliates with a primary healthcare organisation, and the primary healthcare organisation is responsible for funding the general practices, supporting them on clinical or business co-op uh, if need if they need to, um, and there's a, there's a bunch of programs that we work on collaboratively across the region on. Um, like cervical screening, immunizations, diabetes management. And we, and we work collectively with the general practices to support their kaubaba because um, we're mindful that um, you know, doctors would have gone to uh, medical school for seven years but won't have gone to HR school or IT school or uh, financial management school. So we, we kind of support them as an intermediary between uh, Ministry of Health and District Health Boards and the general practice so they can do their, their work at the, at the ground roots level.
2: Uh Thank you for that. Just to uh, clarify um, Prokey's role and also uh, the, the uh, PHOs, but overall, um, coming into this probably a two-pronged question, coming into Level 4 lockdown, what were the primary concerns and and, and targets and strategies, I guess, for the PHOs uh, to prep for Level 4? And ha- has that changed at all over the course of the last better part of a month that we've gone through Level
0: 4? Yeah, so so pre-COVID, um, it's it's well recognized that Māori health has not been um, the greatest in, in our country, so unfortunately uh, we have some negative statistics around mental health, around uh, drug and alcohol, around suicide, diabetes, uh, cardiovascular disease, so pre-COVID we, we, we did have some health issues. So one of our biggest concerns was when COVID hit, all the resources in healthcare have been redirected to focus on COVID-19 and Keeping our um, whole of our country um, well, but the problem that created, and we knew we um, we've, we've seen this before, is when we divert our um, already stretched resources away from um, the COPA on Māori health, then that becomes a bigger issue down down the line. So, so we we already anticipated that as a healthcare system that would that would happen, and unfortunately, a lot of our people aren't aren't um, going to the health, getting the healthcare services they need because COVID is such a, a key priority. So one of the things we need to address is how we can turn that around and get out some good positive key messages on what our, what our people need to be doing now in level four, uh, next week in level three, and then even further at level two, and then back back to hopefully when we have some sort of post-COVID healthcare system.
2: Kia ora. Oh, look, I'm really fascinated to talk more about that, but I'll bring uh, Dr. Watson in uh, now for the this korero. Um First of all, you can hear me fine? Dr. Watson?
3: Yeah, kia Yeah, I can now. That's great. Thanks. All good. Perfect.
2: Um, From the hospital's perspective, and I'll ask that a question as well. So um, we're well and truly within uh, level four for the better part of a month now. What was the hospital's approach to prepare uh, for the emergency? And have things shifted as we've gone four weeks plus uh, into level four lockdown?
3: Yeah, well... uh, The hospital went into major, major preparations, as everybody did. I mean, it came on so fast, and so in terms of you know going into level four. So, essentially, what we saw was what everybody saw, which was these shocking, horrific scenes from overseas as COVID has rolled out across some countries. And so, essentially, we put everything on hold that we do normally, uh, apart from the most urgent work. And we've been full on preparing for managing a COVID epidemic if it was to hit. And so that included uh, reorganising our staff, reorganising our wards, getting our intensive care much more expanded. Uh, We've just done a huge amount. In fact, I can tell you one story here at Middlemore. We've converted a whole ward block into a negative pressure ward block. So it's, it's pretty unique in terms of some of the work we've achieved. And that took amazing effort from Incredible number of people who just dropped what they were doing, incredibly flexible, um, you know, worked very long hours to ensure that our health system, if we were going to have to confront many, many, many unwell people, um, that we would be able to do as well as we could. And look, I think the time, the time that we had uh, a few weeks ahead, you know, in addition to most other countries really served us well so we could get that preparation. So we did all of that work. And uh, we we're very confident now that we are in a place that we could manage now what looks to be like. We'll still have COVID, absolutely, and we'll still have sick people with COVID as we do now. We have people in the hospital come to the hospital and they do have COVID, but we're able to manage that and cope with that. Wow. But I guess we are also really concerned about people who've been missing out on their care, their hospital-level mm. care, their specialist appointments, they've been denied care. And we've got now evidence of people who have been turning up late, uh, people who haven't been coming in. And we really want to reassure people that the hospital is a safe place to come. Health workers are safe people to come into your homes and see that we're all very much aware of how to protect everybody and keep everybody safe with us. So we've got PPE, we'll use it when we need to, we'll ask the right questions, but people need to get healthcare. We do not want them staying at home and, and not seeking help when they need to. And we know some groups are more likely to do that. So more now than ever, we need to ensure that we're getting the right health care to the right people when they need it. And that's become our focus.
2: Well, just on that, and Lance touched on it a bit as well, there's a lot of messaging that's been going on, particularly over the last couple of weeks, about people, if you are sick, whether it's COVID-related or not, and you need medical sure. attention, please go to your doctor, please go to the emergency clinics. What's the feedback been? Has it been that people just afraid to come? to the hospital, or did they think that hospitals are only for COVID-19, given the situation?
3: Well, look, the first message, of course, was that you have to stay home. Everyone said, oh, it's a lockdown. So, you know, lockdown's a lockdown, right? Everybody was really conscious about staying home. And then on the other hand, we're trying to say, but if you're sick, you still need to come to a hospital. So I think that was, it's quite a hard message to, to get people clear about, am I supposed to stay home or am I supposed to go? So I think people did the right thing by staying home, but what we need to do, we needed to do and and we tried really hard to do was to ensure people come but came when they needed it. But I still think people are fearful about coming out of their homes and they're trying to do the right thing. So We've done that with, now, uh, with telehealth, obviously, and ringing people, making other options available. And I think that's making all that more available. But I still think there are people who will be fearful about coming to the hospital, going to their doctor, going to a testing clinic or receiving a health worker into their home. Mm-hmm. So we need to encourage those people to at least make contact, ring up, check in with somebody that's Healthline or you know your local provider ask about that because there are safe ways of doing this and we we do need to see people so I think it's a bit of both um, and as we come out of level four into level three we are ramping up the number of services we provide so we're going back to doing more of our planned care we'll be getting back into the people who've been waiting for uh, care that was planned we want to bring back on tap a whole range of work to ensure that you know we can Uh, address the health needs of populations who who aren't getting what they need so that's that's our priority now is to yes be prepared for COVID and to do that and we're good on that to do the urgent work but now to get back into that work which people are are still I think likely to defer so it's not it's never going to go back to what it was and I think that's Mm. the important thing we are going to have a new health system now a new way of responding that we think is really exciting because we better situated or equipped to, to meet the health needs of people in ways that are easier to access and prioritise their needs when they need it. And so it's, it's quite exciting times really, because it's almost the chance to redesign the health system for a better future, and we can do that together.
2: Kia ora. Um, Tony, as when we, I think you were involved in the first show, the final Guide uh, for COVID-19, um, the primary focus back then and for the first good half of this initial lockdown period was on the health side of things, was getting people to keeping people safe. Uh, in the last 24 hours, three new cases uh, of COVID 19. So uh, it looks as though that everything has worked, or is working, uh, with a long way to go now. So I wanna ask, in regards to at community level, in Papakura, uh, with the services that you provide, what will your services likely look like at the level three? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so we're we're like uh, the rest of the country and have to follow the the, the rules, I suppose, of, of what the government has announced. You know, so Jacinda announced earlier that when we do change, or sorry, we won't be flipping back to level three until next week. So uh, I think first and foremost, we need to still follow the the guidelines uh, from from the minister, uh, sorry, the minister, and also then just um, uh, really just just. Uh, Go about our, our Mahi and still in a safe way. So for us at uh, the marae, um what we're seeing, what we're advocating to our whānau is that they still continue to play the game. you have been awesome since the starting of this, you know, as a nation. I think we need to pat ourselves on the back and you know, we we it, and we've seen the plateauing, the, the normalizing, and it's uh we, we need to festival, pause, and just congratulate the, the country for doing it. But we're not quite there yet, all right, before we move into level three. So and uh, as as a as a marae, we, we 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 most of my staff will still be working from home. Under level three, that's still the situation. We'll still be the majority of our phone calls, 250 phone calls per day coming to our clinic, that'll still be virtual contacts, um virtual consults, and then picking up the other small percentage uh, over the who will come in through the to the front door. Ge ora. Um Lance uh
2: Tony, I guess everybody, uh, in some way, shape, or form, have had to find new ways to, to deliver service and help people that that, that most uh, need the most. Um, from your perspective, um, how successful were virtual consults? I mean, it's not a relatively new thing, but in regards to the way that they were conducted, uh, never been on anything like this scale. Um, how successful were they uh, across the regions?
1: From my perspective, um, they were really successful um, in terms of um, just, just you know, forced to actually give it a go. Uh, the old school of having every patient come in is, is, you know, is gone. So this is set set aside the, I guess, the new protocols uh, moving forward. And and uh, I, I think you know, if you're chronically, ill, the last thing I want you to do is necessarily hop in the car. We can deal with it over the phone or through a, a visual context like we're doing now. So. You know, but, but, but again, my doctors and nurses were saying, you know, actually, this is still a little bit risky. I can't see the colour of your skin through the phone. You know, can't can't necessarily hear the breathing that that well over the phone. Uh, so on those rare occasions, you know, probably 90% of our consults were virtual. The other 10% would actually encourage them to come in. Uh, and, um, and on the really uh, urgent occasions, will PPE up and, and go into the home. So I think the, 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 the nation's change is, I think, um, uh, Lance has already mentioned, and we just need to ride that wave and just keep keep improving on it. So, But uh, I just wanted to acknowledge, you know, most of the country, if not uh, 99.9% of them complied with it and picked up Steve one. Yeah,
0: well, just to add, Tony, I think um, virtual consultations will actually become part of the norm now. So yeah. oh. pre, pre-COVID around the country, maybe 5% of consultations were done virtually uh, and everything else was face-to-face. Um, Post, uh, or now, every uh, 80% at least are done virtually. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's going to be the new norm. I mean, this this is a great um, example on how you can communicate to um, 10, 20, 1,000 people virtually. Uh, you, you could do a health literacy course uh, through virtual consultation. Uh, you imagine our whānau who are living in the far north or are, are in, on the coast in rural cities where they struggle to get workforce Now This could be a face-to-face, um, sorry, a, a, a virtual consultation with a, a doctor or a nurse. I can now e-prescribe you um, through through my general practice, and and I could actually get my your prescription printed out at a pharmacy, or it could be delivered through to you through some companies like Zoom Pharmacy who deliver. Um, So it gives us a massive opportunity to say, well, actually, let's not go back to um, the the solo mum who who had to work nine to five and had to take annual leave off to get to a general practice who closed at five, or didn't have a car, or you know, or um, struggling to get there, or uh, had to sit in a waiting room for an hour or, or, or two hours. I, I can get a virtual consultation um, now um, really quickly. I could see tw- ten to twenty whānau at one household. Yeah, you, you could move your camera around the around your house. You could get talk, talk to koro. You could talk to mum about a cervical screen. You could talk about uh, an immunisation for baby. You could do brief advice for smoking, um, and you could do a whānau consultation uh, in 30 minutes um, for mm-hmm. ten people. For a lot of people who aren't getting good access to our, um, our healthcare systems now, this is going to open up a massive opportunity to be able to communicate with them.
3: Can I also add in about how it's changing at the hospital then? Because it's, a, it's really interesting too, that same concept, I think we're going to start looking at about if you need a number of specialist appointments, right? So instead of having to come to see maybe the gout person and then the diabetes person and then the orthopaedic person... We're starting to now look at how we might do virtual clinics where on the same virtual consult that can be picked up by a range of specialists in different places. So, again, I think this is going to work a lot better for people as we develop these new ways of doing things. And the other thing that we that's not going to change, we're still in level four, we've got a no visiting policy at the hospital. And we're going to carry that on in level three because it's still you know, a limited movement and only essential. But the use of virtual technology has meant that whānau are able to keep in contact with the the person, the member of their whānau who's in the hospital really easily. We've got free Wi-Fi in the hospital. People can connect using, you know, whether it's WhatsApp or Zoom or or whatever, beyond just the phone calls. And that's enabling people to stay really well connected. Now we do have compassionate visiting, um, you know, and there are particular circumstances where that's really important. But for most people, again, it appears that, you know, the use of virtual technology is really transforming the way, not only the way we access healthcare, but the way we can support our whānau who are accessing healthcare, in this case, being in hospital. So it, it is changing, and I, I'm pretty confident it's changing for the better in many ways.
2: Oh, um, One of Lance, I'll, I'll ask you this question as well. Uh, around the community-based assessment centres, um, are they the PHO's responsibilities and how they've been going.
0: Um, so there's a, there's a mixture. So most of them are based either next to after-hours clinics or existing general practices. So the workforce um, can can kind of migrate between the, the CBAC or um, the community-based assessment centre or the clinic. Um, so they so the PHOs have, 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 and the DHBs have, have generally worked together to, to create these. So they're, they're kind of um, agnostic across the healthcare system. So um, they've been set up by communities rather than um, affiliating to a, a a THB or a pHO per se and the community led um, they're, they're working really well I, th- I think they started off a little bit shaky because the um, the the nature of the testing was quite quite um, small and quite defined so there was a lot of angst for our Alfano who, who thought they wanted a test but didn't meet the criteria on the original original testing huh. um, now it, now it's not an issue because um, the the definition case definition of white has widened up, so if you have any symptoms of COVID or you've travelled, you can, you can go to a testing station. But there was a little bit of anxiety when our people first um, started going and getting turned away because they, they didn't have any symptoms. Um, but, but as we've gone over the last four weeks, I mean, I, I'm aware that it's, it's, it's a three-stage process. So the first stage is there's a filtering system where people talk to you about the test and what's going to occur. And the second stage is um, you're, you're giving, um, the are giving information um, to the assessors. And then the third component is the assessment. Now, now, as, as we've gone over the last four weeks, people are understanding those processes better, so it's less frustrating. But week one uh, would have been a bit tricky uh, mm. for, a lot of, for a lot of our people. Um, and, you know, encouraging them to go and get a, a, a test when you might not have a warrant on your car and you've got to drive through a, a testing station, you know, you know, that's a stay at home. But then I want to be healthy, so I want to get yeah. tested. So I think we've got it right now. Um, but as, um, So, so. You know, going forward, I, th- I think it's in a really good process. But there was a few hiccups. Uh, PPE was a bit of a hiccup for for some of our, our testing stations, but that seems to be fine-tuned out. And and then, do I go there, or do I go to my doctor, or do I ring the helpline, or do I go to hospital? So we, we've kind of um, got those kinks out of the out of the communication system now. Mm. Um, so we've got some good co- coherent conversations going between uh, district health boards, PHOs. Um, Clinics and community uh, organisations. So, but where they're stationed is, is is where our whānau need them the most, which is which is good. So, it's it's ag- agnostic in terms of um, who's running them. It's it's more um, they're set up for community ar- around communities of um, of interest.
2: Um, Doctor Watson, you mentioned uh, that around visiting as uh, one thing that from level four to level three, you'll still maintain uh, that type of strict um, stringent way of, of um, I guess, keeping uh, the the safety and well-being of the patients and the staff uh, paramount. Um, what other things will likely change or, or, or remain the same from level mm. four to level three in the hospitals and even into level two?
3: Yeah, so from level four to level three, there won't be uh, much change. As I said, we are increasing the activity in terms of getting people in for planned care, so people who've been on wait lists for whether that might be surgery or, or follow-ups. If they've got a health issue, which has uh, some urgency to it, we're going through our wait lists, um, all the time now to prioritise those people who both need to be seen. So there might be new referrals or follow up So we'll be seeing more of those people again um, and we'll be ringing them. So people t- will be called and contacted about coming. Now, for many of those, but like Tony said, we'll, we, we won't actually need them to come in because we'll be able to do that virtually, which is, you know, this fantastic new way of delivering... I guess, person-centred care. And so we'll be able to do that for many. We'll continue. But there will be others who we need to come in. I was talking to a surgeon just this morning, and he was telling me about how, you know, they're starting to get back into their routine lists now, and they're really pleased to be able to provide, you know, important surgery uh, for a range of conditions, including cancer work. You know, so this is really life um you know, important to to enhancing people's well-being, but, you know, makes a difference, a, a true difference to their health and well-being. So that's the work we're getting on with. So there will be more of that done um, as we go into level three, but no visiting changes. Um, it's And certainly it's not going back to what it was. As we go into level two, I think... I think we'll just need to see what Level 2 really means. It's It mm. seems so hard. It's like I can't actually remember <laughs> being in Level 2 now. It seems like we've been locked down forever, right? So I guess what we will continue to see is a gradual approach to that rather than suddenly, bang, you know, it's all open slather and everybody's doing whatever they want again. I imagine it will just increase the access again. We'll be doing more. Um, clearly, it's not back to Level 1, and as we said, there'll be changes, but... We would hope that we'll be able to increase our visiting, that we'll be able to increase, again, the number of people. But I imagine that things like social distancing will be really important concepts and principles to keep. So whether that's in your um, marae-based clinic and your standard primary care GP clinic, or whether it's in a hospital, somehow we're going to have to arrange the business so we keep people separate and keep them socially distanced and actually know who's there, you know, and keep records so we can contact, trace, etc. So we still have a bit of work to do to figure that out. So it'll be back to doing lots more than we have been doing, but in a way that just keeps people safe.
2: Mm. Yeah. Um, Tony, uh, one of the things that has been really highlighted, papakura at but also throughout a lot of um, uh, marae-based or community-based initiatives is around uh, food parcels. It's been identified from the very beginning that that was a big thing for our funders, making sure that they had the basic necessities for them to get through this lockdown period. You guys have been outstanding. Uh, distributing thousands of food parcels uh, over this time, how long do you think this will need to continue?
1: Oh, I, th- I think um, we should plan for at least twelve months. Uh, but I think it, it's a supply issue that we have as well, Jaree. Um, around when a lot of the restaurants, one of the food producing, uh, you know, places open again, our our current supply uh, won't necessarily be there. So. Right now we're riding a good wave. Where you know, uh, we just had a, a drop off this afternoon with of heaps of fresh veggies because the the markets are closed. You know, so they got nowhere to to take them. So we're really riding that at the moment. But um, yeah, it's it's something I think we just need to to uh, be mindful of. Um, I know it's actually a, a a national discussion that we're wanting to have with with the government with um, Minister Sepoloni. Around uh, really supporting beneficiaries because uh, they're the ones who are you know, our new beneficiaries, uh, of which you know one one day there was just over one hundred and fifty thousand odd, but now there's three hundred and fifty four four hundred thousand odd people that are now reliant on the benefit. So the, yeah. the things have changed, and until that uh, until we get that, a lot of those people back to work, there's going to be a requ- there's going to be a shortage of kai in the house. So we we're certainly planning with Auckland City Mission, Kiwi Harvest, all our suppliers to keep this on going and. Uh, even setting up a, a bigger um, uh, part of our problem was we didn't have the space to store it, or there was heaps of kai coming in, but we just didn't we had to say no because we don't know where to place it. So we've managed to come up with some good deals with some of our partners uh, who own some of these warehouses and uh, can, and can receive the kai and then get it out the door as soon as we can. So, but it is I, I anticipate at least twelve months, if not longer, until the whole economy gets back up on its feet.
2: Uh, Doctor Watson, one another thing that, as it is every year, but it's probably just highlighted the importance of it now. is flu season's just around the corner, mm. um, that's it's a could potentially be another massive medical issue that we have to deal with given the certain times. How are you guys managing that?
3: Yeah, well, it's, it it certainly could, Tiara. and I uh, we've started early with the flu vaccination campaign this year uh, on the basis that yeah, the double whammy of COVID and flu would be. You know, just um, it's really tough. So it seems like we've managed to you know, squash COVID-19 and we need to continue to focus on that. At the same time, now we turn our attention to the winter, uh, to the flu season, to vaccinating, ensuring that primary care and community care clinics have access to the vaccine, that those vulnerable populations are aware of that. And and we know that uh, people are now able to access and, and need to make sure that they go and get their flu vaccine so that they're prepared. Just one of the things that we wonder about and I guess will be interesting now as we go forward is that the same precautions that we're taking around COVID-19, the social distancing, um, the, you know, coffee ticket, the hand washing, are all the same interventions which reduce the likelihood of flu. So if we all do this right and continue to focus on keeping ourselves safe from COVID-19, there's also a really good chance that this will This will reduce the likelihood of this being a poor flu season, I mean, a a low flu season in terms of the number of people with flu and coming into hospital. So, you know, it may be, in fact, that this is one of our lowest um, years in terms of the number of people with flu or ending up in hospital or actually succumbing. Because, you know, numerous people a year die die from flu-related pneumonia. So, you know, uh, we're hopeful. Focus on getting the flu vaccine, everybody. Stay safe from COVID nineteen. Hopefully, that translates to a good year in terms of low numbers of people with flu.
2: Oh and so uh, one other question just around that: um, uh, Do you keep your eye on talk around a vaccine for COVID nineteen? <laughs> mean, yeah, realistically, you know, depending on where you read it, it's kind of the yeah. shop uh, in regards to the information that comes through. Realistically,
3: how far yeah. will that? So we were talking about this today. I mean, obviously these things are very top of our um, sort of agenda on what's coming next. And so whether it's a treatment for COVID-19 in terms of any medication or therapy treatment, we still think there's no good evidence for that. And we wait and watch and hope that something will come through. But trials have been conducted. And the same with the vaccine. We do not expect a vaccine this year or let alone in the next 12 months. Uh, we are hopeful that in time there will be a vaccine but at this point we are not planning on the arrival of a vaccine in the near future. So, you know, if we got one next year, we would be really, really, really pleased about that. But um, we, we're certainly a long way from it, and we don't believe that that's something just around the corner. So we need to prepare for the remainder of this year at least without a vaccine or any effective treatment. Uh, and it may well be that, you know, at the same time next year, we are still in the same position in terms of, you know, waiting for a vaccine. So it could well be some time off. But yeah, we wait like the rest of the world, and we know that there's, you know, great, great scientists and uh, people working on that. So um, we're ho- forever hopeful as well.
2: Oh, boy. Uh, Lance, I'll ask you this question and then I'll have one more question for the three of you. Um, uh, you've made mention about some of the. Str- uh, especially technological advances and just different ways of doing things that's been really beneficial for COVID-19, but that you're hoping that they will continue onwards as being the new normal around healthcare in Aotearoa. Uh, what are, if you had to kind of nail it down in regards to the fu- uh, fundamental stuff, what's the lasting changes to the system you hope will come out and th- that you can see that that will happen uh, for us moving forward once we get out of this um, COVID-19? See, one of
0: the um... One of the great things is this. This gives us the opportunity to recalibrate the entire healthcare system. So, post COVID, which um, or, or level two, we should be we should be re-educating the entire New Zealand population on when do I go to a general practice, uh, when do I go to after hours, when do I go to a hospital, uh, and when do I ring the healthcare line, and when I'm doing those, what are face-to-face and what are virtual. So, because we're kind of zero zero um, leveling out, we can build it up from the get-go and then start. Um, providing New Zealand with um, some good health literacy. At the same time, because we're recalibrating, there's a, there's a bunch of um, uh, institutional racist systems we have in the healthcare system that we can absolutely abolish right now and not reinvent those from um, healthcare care system 101. And uh, we can also provide a lot of um, health literacy to our community. So because, because we open up, up these virtual platforms and these conversations that can be done through Facebook Live or text messaging or, or messaging directly to whānau, we can actually improve our healthcare system significantly because we've been able to change um, it majorly in terms of always focusing on negative, um, non-performing systems for our people. Uh, I, I always hear that our people don't go to the hospital because because um, they're, not, they're not good. No, the systems are not good for our people. Uh, and our systems, are, so not just hospital care, primary care, um, you know, they struggle to get into. So this gives us an absolute opportunity to, to zero out all of that negative stuff start again i mean with all the non-urgent um elective surgery being cancelled you imagine you imagine a day where the list um post covid every second name on that list was maori and we can now recalibrate that name because we've zeroed out the list and we can start again you imagine if said that let's educate maori whanau how to use virtual systems so that everyone in the whole community and their and their, and their whānau can access systems that they didn't know about because they weren't educated about, because um, we're not on, on terms of how to manage our own health. Um, could you imagine that we had an app that we could manage our own whānau or iwi or hapu health, um, you know, which we can start doing now because it's a zero base um, in the healthcare system because we've gone down and now we need to up again. So there's some extremely um, intelligent um, leaders around New Zealand who are having this conversation now. to so say, well, actually let's not go back to those old um, institutional racist systems that created all these barriers from our people. Let's go straight through some of the stuff we're talking about in this conversation now, and let's make this the new business as usual and enhance it even further for our
2: family. I appreciate all three of your time uh, on the show, and I just want to round everything up with one last question. It's the same question to, to the three of you. Um, New Zealand, Aotearoa will move into a level uh, move out of uh, level four level at eleven fifty nine pm Monday, April twenty-seventh. Country will go to a level um, three uh, for two weeks before being reviewed by cabinet on May eleventh. Uh Lance, I'll, I'll start with you on this. Um, what is your biggest piece of advice for Fano as we move into level three next week?
0: So the biggest advice is the healthcare system is still there, please use it. So please ring your doctor in the first um, instance like you would normally. Please ring the 0800 helpline for healthcare. Um, please um, maintain getting our babies immunised. Get all our Kuya kaumātua their flu vaccinations so that we're, we're better prepared for, um, for COVID. And if you have a long-term condition, please go and see your um, see your doctor like you would normally. It might be done virtually, but the health system is still there for you. So please, please continue to use it.
2: And Dr. Watson, your advice uh, for all of our Fano as we transition from level three to uh, level four to level three?
3: Yeah, sure. And I guess what I was keen to touch on, and it's a great opportunity, so thank you, is the mental health and well-being of our whānau. I think this is an area which is of huge importance, and I think it's just increasing in terms of the pressure that people are feeling under. Both from you know the social changes, the economic changes, and the in the stress that this is placing on everybody. So, I think as as much as the physical well-being, which I think you know we've talked a lot about, I think it's about. Ensuring that we stay healthy mentally, that we look after one another, that we're kind to one another, and if people aren't coping, we reach out for help too with um with to support the mental health of our whānau. It's vitally important because that may be in fact one of the biggest uh, downsides from everything that we've been through. So please, please uh, look after one another and attend to your mental well-being as much as your physical well-being.
2: Tēnā koe. Kaamutu, kia koutou toko toru, tēnā koutou. Tēnā koutou ko whae wahi maiki a mātou o the Whānau Guide for COVID-19. Kaamutu ko whae wahi ki te whakapuaki e nei kōrero katoa e ki iu ātātou Hāpori. Uh, Dr. Peter Watson from Counties Monaco Health, Lance Norman, ProCare, Tony Kake from Papakura Marae. Tēnā kote. thank you so much for sharing Kira. all this information with us. Tēnā koutou.
0: Kia rā. Kia rā.
2: Uh, Again, it's been uh, wonderful to have uh, the expertise of those three individuals who are all working within their various areas at different levels to make sure that our people are being looked after. And just a reminder, and it's been reinforced uh, by a lot of the discussions that we've had at the moment uh, today on this Facebook live show, is that if you do need medical attention, please The doctors are still open, the emergency clinics and the hospitals are still open, and they are safe. Also, if you do need any testing, you only need one of the symptoms, whether it's a cough, sore throat, runny nose, shortness of breath, loss of smell, or a fever, then you should um, get checked. Uh, So the two ways you can do that is you can either call Healthline, which is uh, the free 0800 number, or you can ring your doctors as well for a phone consultation, and all of those tests are completely free. Tō no rei rehoa ma, ko mutu ngā kōrero wā. No hōra mai i raroinga manaakitanga o te rungarawā, paimāri re ki a
1: Nā Te e te
0: made with support from Te Napuro Nā Pūoro Jerome ngā Pūoro,
1: soundtracks from Pūoro Jerome.